Well, much of the perception around Virginia Tech, Liberty, and the Virginia Cavaliers football programs heading towards their media days. They will all be at media days coming up the week of July 24th. Liberty at Conference USA, Virginia and Virginia Tech down at the ACC football kickoff where I'll be in Charlotte. Uh, it's kind of been a weird You don't want to go to Frisco? I mean, I don't mind going to Fresco, but it's two versus one. That's why we're going to Charlotte. And it's a little bit cheaper and easier to get down there. So That's, part, that's that part. It no doubt is. Um, but anyway, it's perception and where things are right now. And it seems like there's momentum for Liberty for Virginia Tech, but not as much for the Virginia Cavaliers. So to get an outside perspective, Brandon Marcello covers college football for 247sports.com. That includes the recruiting angle of things. Gracious enough to join us in the fast lane. Brandon, um, we'll start with the not-so-glowing for the Virginia Cavaliers. Is there a perception and reality problem coming off of last year and we're uh, you know, putting the tragedy on grounds out of the, the way for a moment because we know that that is an important thing to remember. But from the what they did or did not do on the football field combined with the loss of talent and the lack of uh, replenishing it this offseason, do you notice a similar theme when you're preparing to look ahead to the season in terms of how the Virginia Cavaliers are perceived? Yeah, I think so. And from talking to people not just around that program, but obviously in the polls that we've conducted at 24-7 Sports and talking to beat writers across the country, and particularly, I should say, in the ACC and, and covering Virginia, there just isn't much really positive going around the Virginia program as far as seeing some immediate success this upcoming season. You know, I talked to Tony Elliott back in, I think, May, uh, maybe June, it was May. Yeah, May at ACC spring meetings, and he was talking to me about how he's he feels good about the team just because this spring he feels like if they're finally kind of practicing at his speed, and they, that will obviously translate on the field, and obviously – Everything that they went through near the end of late last season is just absolutely uh, terrifying and uh, and sad. Um, you know, and there's a lot to be said, one, about a first-year coach I can deal with that, but also, of course, just trying to get your system in place and, and getting these players up to speed and also have to go to the transfer portal and the recruiting trail to try and fill some holes there. Uh, that you have on the roster when you already arrived and you're still trying to, to fill things up there. So I, I think that's a, very, a kind of a slow rebuild for them. And um, at least from the outside looking in, it, it's, it, I just don't see how this is a, a program at this right now, this season, that's going to be able to get to the six wins and get to a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, that's the concern a lot of Virginia Cavalier fans have had and have felt. Um, do you notice it from the recruiting side of things as well that, you know, Virginia Tech has gained momentum? Heck, Liberty locally seems to have some momentum going for them. But Virginia, is it just us or from your perspective as well that they are struggling on that front as well in terms of making themselves presentable and appealable to prospective players coming in? Well, I don't cover recruiting uh, for 24-7 sports, but, you know, I know from talking to and following things that it, I, I, at least back in the spring, I wasn't hearing a lot of great, you know, uh, forward momentum from that side. And that stuff changes literally week to week. But, um, you know, when you're kind of sitting down and reading the headlines week to week in the ACC, I just had not seen Virginia come across my table and my desk very often. Um, and and that's that's got to be so troublesome. I know that when you're on a, a local level, you can sit there and get excited by uh, you know a, a player or two and say, man, this guy really is something. But 
when you're looking at it from a bigger lens, like I am, I guess, sometimes, you know, we're looking at teams really trying to see, are you going to be able to contend as a top-half team in the ACC with these players you're bringing in? And, and as of right now, nothing that's really – stuck out to me just from on the periphery looking at things. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the concerns that a lot of Virginia fans have also in terms of the ability to just build something and show something that's tangible for them. Um, meanwhile, the other part of the Commonwealth of Virginia is Virginia Tech. What's your read on this team heading towards the start of the season? And in particular, given the players they brought in through the transfer portal this past offseason, presumably to upgrade some deficient areas like wide receiver and where everyone seems to be aiming the trenches, the offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, that's the big thing, and they got to be real consistent there. Um, and not just that, but get out of the out of the doldrums offensively. Uh, goodness gracious, I did not expect Virginia Tech to be as bad as they were last season offensively, and it can't get worse, right? I mean, that's that's the thing with all this, and I think they will be better. Um, I thought they brought in a pretty good transfer in Kyron Drones at, at quarterback, and you mentioned them trying to fill some spots there as well when you get transfers such from old dominion middle tennessee and norfolk state i hear people go well who's that but these are top tier players from those rosters that are going to be able to not only make an immediate impact but will end up being stars for virginia tech i feel like this upcoming season but the thing is is, is that offensive line really going to be able to stick together and develop into one that is going to be able to run the ball successfully and protect the quarterback? Uh, that was really the chief, not the only reason, obviously. But that's a big reason why they struggled so much last season. But I, I've been impressed, one, with the recruiting by Brent Pry. It's nothing that's really blown the doors off anybody, but I think they've been pretty consistent of building this thing the right way and now they're trying to fill in those weaknesses through the transfer portal to be, be successful this season. I think Virginia Tech's in a spot where they're going to get to a bowl game this year and they have a good, solid foundation to build off of going into 2024 and 2025. B. Marcello. That's the Twitter handle for Brandon Marcello of 247sports.com. Uh, and you guys are doing a real neat thing, stepping from Virginia and Virginia Tech to an overview of the ACC, and that is the all-ACC coaching staffs that you guys have been putting together with preseason acclamations, uh, particularly with the ACC. How much of the projection of that centers around Clemson and the impact that uh, new offensive coordinator Garrett Riley has there? Well, what we did is we took a different approach with this. You know, 24-7 sports, the recruiting side's always known for ranking players, right? And not just that. It's not just something at four or five stars. They have a rating from zero to 100, right? So, we don't do that with coaches. In fact, no one really does. But there is a company out there, Matrix Analytical Solutions, that's been doing it since 2009, and they don't really release their data publicly. They're kind of a private firm that gets hired out by athletic departments for coaching searches, and they provide all this data to them going, hey, if you're looking for a guy who's very good against this talent level and getting this type of recruit for you and also being able to scheme against air raid offenses more often than not uh, in a season – this is your guy. And so they opened the books to us at 24-7 Sports here in the last couple of months and said, you know, here are the top ten coaches at this position or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Could we build an all-conference staff or all Power Five conferences based solely just on the hard-numbered data ratings that you have? Just give me your top tight ends coach, your top receivers coach, whatever their rating is, and that's going to be 
the coach on those lists. And there were some surprising um, you know, names on that list, but also some guys that just made sense when you look at their resume. And you had to set up some protocols with that, too. I know I'm being long-winded here, but you had to set up some protocols, too, where these coaches had to have four years of experience at that position or more. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get a complete picture about how they are as a coach because things go up and down quickly as a coach as far as these numbers they're compiling. So what you end up getting is obviously a lot of veteran coaches who have been doing it for a long time and really been able to stick around the game. And you look at the ACC staff, look at Clemson. That's a staff that up until this past year, the last two years actually, it's been together. They've been all together and sticking around and then not taking other jobs. But still, there are coaches there. For example, there are two defensive backs coaches. One's been there six years. One's been there 13 years. And Mike Reed and Mickey Kahn, they're our first-team defensive back coaches with their highest grades being in the 80s. Um, you look elsewhere across the conference, everybody's got, I think, six years or more of experience coaching their position, not necessarily at their school, but somewhere in college football. But then there's those huge bright spots, obviously, you see from a guy like Garrett Riley, who technically as a play caller has only has four years of experience. But his grades, 86.08, which is number one among all ACC coordinators right now, and that gives him an edge to coach the quarterbacks because he's been coaching quarterbacks as well. And, of course, you guys got, got guys like Davo Sweeney who is going to end up being the number one guy because he just wins games. He's been winning all the championships in the ACC over these last 10 years for the most part. Um, but then you see guys like, listen, Stu Holt at Virginia Tech coming in there, a guy that has been doing this for about six years and has been very successful and very strong uh, in coaching the position of tight ends. And then about Charlie Wiles. Um, you guys know him. Everybody knows him. He's a, a legend at Virginia Tech, now at NC State. I mean, goodness gracious, what else can you say about him? He's coached 26 linemen to all conference honors in his career in 13 years coaching defensive line, now at NC State. So, of course, he's on the first team because he has been really the mark of consistency in the conference. So, Long story short, I was really kind of surprised in some instances, but also not in others, just by how veteran-led these, these programs are in getting into these all-conference lists. And I and also say this, I found that the ACC is by far the conference that has the most veteran coaches and guys that usually stick around at the school or end up just staying in that conference. It's not so much that way in the SEC anymore. The Big 12 has a lot of turnover year over year here lately. Not a lot of veteran coaches out there that have been at the same school. But the ACC, for whatever reason, is being able to hold on to a lot of guys, especially the position coaches. B. Marcello is the Twitter handle. 247sports.com is where you can keep up with his work as he's with us here in the fast lane on W226BG Timberlake, WVGMAM Lynchburg, WMNA Gretna, Danville Southside, all across the Virginia Talk Radio Network and on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Brandon, we can delve into this further and hopefully we uh, will, if you'll be in Charlotte for the ACC football kickoff, we'd love to catch up with you to do that. But uh, we wrap up with this particular point and kind of building on that 
Is it good for the ACC that they have this much continuity and stability in coaches? Or is it an indictment that maybe they don't, and I know this is often used against them by other fans and others, other conferences, they don't value winning to the point where if you're not performing, they go ahead and get rid of you? You know, I it could be a mix of that. But for the most part, when you look at these guys that have been around a while, their grades are like, four-and-a-half to five-star level, according to Matrix Analytical. So they would still have those ratings if they were to go into the Pac-12 or the SEC next season, so to speak. It's just that they so happen to be around at the school for a while. And I'll say this, you know, the Miami coaches, for example, that are in this list, those aren't guys that have been at Miami for five, six, seven years. They have moved around a little bit um, and have been elsewhere. Um, you know, Garrett Mickelson, for example, Daniel Florida State linebacker, now at Miami as a linebacker's coach. He's on the first team as a linebacker's coach, but was previously at Southern Miss and had a small stint with Louisville. So um, these are guys that, you know, we've seen movement. But I think what you're, you know, kind of what you're getting at is like when you see a top dog like Clemson and they've been keeping their staff together, um, that's when you start going, wow, uh, so why aren't any of these guys getting hired away? Well, it's not for a lack of effort. I mean, people are going after Brent Venables for the better part of the last six, seven years to be head coach, and he just didn't want to leave, and then he ended up doing it. And then you look at all the coordinators and receiver coaches that Clemson's gone through here in the last three or four years that are now head coaches and have gone, gone on elsewhere, including Tony Elliott now, head coach at Virginia. So, I think that it's just been a good job by these staffs of building what they need and being successful and being able to keep those coaches on on the roster for the most part. And more successful work is at 247sports.com. Brandon Marcello, he's at bmarcello on Twitter. Brandon, great to have you in the fast lane today. Thank you much. Wishing you well over the next few weeks. And uh, if you're down in Charlotte, we'd love to catch up with you there as well. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Brandon Marcello with us here in the Fast Lane and appreciate his time today as we appreciate yours. So thank you for joining us today. Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Trey Law VT is his to stay up with us over the weekend. We're back Monday afternoon, 5 to 6. Oh, Trey, one more thing. Do you have best bets for the Xfinity or the Cup Series? Uh, Sammy Smith, Christopher Bell. Sammy Smith and Joe Graff Jr. in the Xfinity Series. No, they I'll were, bet you anything you want. Joe Graff Jr. does not win the Xfinity race. He was a top three in practice. but it doesn't I would, matter. Sammy Smith is the matter. guy I would monitor the most. Wasn't the fastest 10-lap average, but had the fastest single lap. We'll see how he does in qualifying. Um, I, I joke about Ty Gibbs, and yes, I think Joe Gibbs and the Toyotas will be strong, and maybe it's worth a shekel. Here's my better dark horse pick. Chris Buescher, he's been on fire lately. Ford has done well at this. And Hendrick often doesn't emphasize tracks like this because there's not a lot of carryover to the championship. I don't trust Fords on anything but a drafting track at this point. Wow. There it is. Okay, well, we differ on that. We'll find out how it turns out Monday when we're back in the fast lane.